Welcome to the Ambitious Introvert Podcast, created especially for introverts, empaths, and highly sensitive entrepreneurs to help you build, grow, and scale a successful, sustainable business. I'm your host, Emma Louise Parks, business and mindset coach for ambitious introverts. After 17 years working as an air traffic controller, the ultimate fast-paced, high-stimulus, extrovert-friendly role, my mission now is to show introverts that they too can create big results and success because of who they are, not in spite of it. I focus on introvert-friendly business and marketing strategy to help you switch overwhelm for clarity, confidence, and clients. Hello, hello. Welcome to this week's episode of the Ambitious Introvert Podcast. I'm Emma Louise. And before I get into today's guest, just a quick reminder, I'm sure you know the drill by now, but the Quiet Power Mastermind is running again in June. Applications are open until June 9th. And you can go back and listen to any of the last three podcast episodes to hear much more about what is included in the mastermind, who it's for, and also to hear me interviewing some of the wonderful guest experts that are joining us. So I'm not going to take up time talking about it today. Pop back and check those out, or the link is down in the show notes for the sales page with all of the details. And of course, you can message me on Instagram, Facebook, or email if you have any questions whatsoever. If you are just even curious and considering it and you don't know if it's the right fit for you right now, please, please do fill out the application because I would much rather chat to you and make sure that you're making the right decision from that place of all the information than sitting there thinking, oh, I don't know, I'm not sure. So my all streams of communication are open. I would love to hear from you if you think that quiet power could be the thing to really take your business to the next level this year. So all the links are in the show notes and let's move on to today's amazing guest. Now, Kelly Ruta, no, she didn't. She DM'd me. That's right. She DM'd me on Instagram after hearing me interview Dr. Michelle Mazer. She's friends with Dr. Michelle and she sent me DM and she was like, I love this episode. I love everything you said. I love everything you're doing in, you know, in the coaching space. I would love to be a guest on your podcast. So I looked her up. I had a look at what she did and saw how fantastic she was and was like, yes, this is like an easy yes. So we had a virtual coffee and then we met to record the episode, which you're about to hear. And I love Kelly for so many reasons, one of which is she has a 20-year background in clinical psychology, which she then pivoted into an online coaching business. And she has so much to say about the online space without disparaging it and tarring all coaches with the same brush, which I think is a message that can can be out there quite a bit. Like coaches are bad, coaches are overcharging, coaches are unqualified. What Kelly does is a really good job of actually saying how important coaching is and what a skill it is and how much training is required for it, but that doing it well is actually one of the most powerful things people can experience. But also recognizing that that is not the case because it's an unregulated industry, so it's not the case with every coach out there. But the great thing about this conversation with Kelly is that She's sharing about, in particular, self-sabotage, which is what we really dive deep into. But from 
the perspective of a clinical psychologist. So it's so easy for, we see people making, you know, carousel posts and quotes or, you know, someone who is a self-appointed quote unquote expert coming on to talk about what self-sabotage is. And it's quite often not rooted in science and evidence-based. It's quite often things that people have read in books and interpreted themselves or something their coach has told them that they're then, you know, telling their coaching clients and that whole pyramid. But the reason that I love this conversation with Kelly, as I say, is she's talking about things from a clinical psychology background and she's talking about self-sabotage, which is huge, huge as entrepreneurs. I don't think I know anyone that hasn't suffered from this at some point. I know I absolutely have. So if you feel like it might be something that's affected you or maybe even is affecting you now, affecting your clients, a peer, then please enjoy this because I think that Kelly's take on it is absolutely refreshing. It is, as I say, steeped in science and evidence, but also really, really accessible and makes so much sense. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode with Kelly and I. You may hear a few references to Kelly's sacral and gut. And it's funny because when we stopped recording, we got into a whole conversation about human design. So sadly, we didn't know at the start that we were both into it. Or I imagine that this conversation would have gone a completely other way. But Kelly is a sacral being like me. So that trusting and feeling to her gut, we had a big conversation about that afterwards. So anyway, if you hear that, that's what it's about. And yeah, just enjoy the episode. Thanks for tuning in. Kelly, I feel like I already know you because we've been connected on Instagram, but thank you so much for joining me today. I feel the same way. And I'm so excited to have the conversation we're about to have. And thank you for having me on the show. I love that before I hit record, we were chatting and we came up with about four different conversations that we <laughs> that we could have had and we may well do in the future. But But for now, I do think this one is important because I don't think any entrepreneur goes through every stage of their journey without encountering a form of self-sabotage, whether they recognize it or not. And it's something that I think people are very aware of now. You know, a lot of my clients will say to me, like, am I self-sabotaging or is this just out of alignment? Which is obviously a great question. But, you know, from your background as well, I just think it's a really juicy conversation that we can get into. I agree. And I couldn't agree more that there isn't a single entrepreneur who doesn't experience this, usually multiple times, honestly. Every time we seem to grow or up-level the business in some way, it's very common for the things that that sabotage us to rear their heads again. But I also want to add, it happens to everybody, not just entrepreneurs. I always remind people, you don't get to step out of the human part of being an entrepreneur which is why I love what I do because I get to support people in the humaning part of being a business owner and an entrepreneur. So it happens to everybody. But yes, for entrepreneurs, business owners, it comes up in very specific ways at, in very common, predictable times. So before we get into that, do you want to share a little bit about how you became an entrepreneur? How did your business journey start from where you were? You know, this question always makes me laugh because it was not the plan, <laughs> which I think a lot of people can relate to. So I 
graduated high school here in the United States, went on to study psychology, went to graduate school to study social work. And my plan was to have a private psychotherapy practice and work in the public school system in the state I lived in at the time for the rest of my career. I just really thought that's what I would do. I loved it. And uh, I moved from New Jer- just outside New York City in New Jersey down to the South to North Carolina in 2009 and started a practice here, a private practice here full time. And I was looking to really shake things up a little bit to expand a little bit. And also I was hearing, you know, that voice that talks to you and I don't mean it in the way where you have to seek help. I mean, that little voice that kind of, you know, tugs at you, whether you call that your intuition, your inner wisdom, your connection to the divine, whatever you want to call that. And it, I just kept hearing there's more for you to do. There's different ways for you to serve. You can make a bigger impact than what you were doing. I ended up hiring a business coach thinking, oh, it's going to help me expand my practice so I can work with more people. Not at all what happened. I saw what she was doing, how many people she was able to impact, how many businesses and families she was able to touch and said, oh, I never even considered that. And within probably, I don't know, maybe three months of working with her, I completely scrapped my original plan and came up with a plan to enter this entrepreneurial world where I saw a huge gap in coaching and consulting services that were delivered by people who were clinically trained. And by that, I mean in the quote unquote mindset development area of coaching. I was really, really concerned at what I saw in this space or really what I didn't see in the space. And I thought, oh, not only my education, but my two decades of experience. And I could really bring some expertise to the table and raise the bar and serve people well and be paid well in return. So that's it in a nutshell. It was a windy road and it was not planned. You know, I saw an ad on Instagram the other week. This is horrific. And this ad was, it was very bro markety. It's mm. like two guys with like, learn how to be a life coach academy or something for, I think it was like $9. The, the th- but the whole premise of it was, it was like why you should be a life coach. And it's one of the positive, one of the positives was because it's unregulated. Oh my goodness. And I was like, no, this is a bad thing. The lack of regulation is a bad thing. But they were basically using it as like, hey, there's no barrier to entry. Like anyone can do it. And I'm laughing, but, you know, inside I'm crying because it's because it's not funny, but it's funny. It's it makes me cringe, honestly. And I have been I'm a very direct person. I didn't grow up in New York, but I feel like I did. We're very direct people honest breed in that area of the United States. And I'm very quick to call out those things. I have had many a conversation with people pitching these things, especially on Instagram, because I find them to not only lack integrity, but when you're trained in a a field like psychology or social work or counseling, things like that, medicine, the first thing you're trained is to do no harm. 
And I am absolutely shocked at how that is not the first principle for many people. Certainly not all. I'm not making a broad sweeping statement. There are a lot of coaches and consultants who really are very well trained, but it's not because they're required to be. It's because they have that inner standard and set of values that drives them to get the best training possible. So I see things like that and I cringe so much so that I took a series of snapshots of things like you're saying not $9 to become certified in, you know, a weekend or whatever. And I sent them to a colleague of mine who was on the, sat on the original board for the ICF. And she is horrified by what's going on. She took the collection I sent her and forwarded it to the new board or whatever it is and said to them, this is not why we started the ICF. What is going on? But it's all the grab the low hanging fruit and, you know, at at the cost of the consumer. Sorry, that was just an aside, but I I felt like sharing that with you because I knew that. And you it's hor- it's horrifying to me as somebody who really has received clients and worked with clients who who really have actually been traumatized financially, mentally, emotionally, their businesses have been traumatized because they've been guidance from people you know been guided by people who shouldn't be giving guidance. So it's I have a real soft spot for those people but I also get very fired up about this. That's a whole again a whole other episode we could do. So that's five episodes. But back to, well, the let's do the intersection of your story and self-sabotage. So obviously yes. you've got this kind of, I'm meant for more, which like you say, this niggle that a lot of us have. Right. And then have your eyes opened to this possibility of like, wow, look at the impact I can have here. There must have been a bit of a bit of an upper limit problem there straight away, I would think. Just tiny. Just, just tiny. tiny dates. Yes. So In all seriousness, I've never met a person who doesn't have an upper limit problem that is worthy of time, attention, and energy to work through. But I'm very honest about my history. I have complex PTSD as the result of early childhood sexual abuse. And I say this on podcasts because I want to really normalize people saying it without shame and knowing that you can have a series of traumas or one singular large trauma in your history and still be successful in your work. But when you do have something like that in your background, it will automatically amplify things that would trigger anybody. So fears, concerns about being visible, safety, security, you name it. There's a whole range of things. And then I had the other concern, which was finance, finances. I had poured a lot of blood, sweat, tears, and savings with my husband into the private practice I built here in the city that I live in and came home one day and and said to him, change of plans. (laughs) Now, my husband is an engineer. I probably don't need to say much else about his response to that. He's extremely supportive. But there were concerns, some of them very rational, very reasonable, others not so much. And so there was a lot to overcome, but I was aware of all of it because of my training and background. Beautiful. And I think it's so easy when people are looking in and they see someone with an established and very successful business 
to think it was easy. I certainly did that. I remember one, you know, because I struggled for a long time when I got into the online space, you know, all the all, all the certifications and qualifications, but no idea about online marketing or mm. how to manage my energy and, you know, how to, how my yeah previous traumas were showing up and all of that. But it, I would look at people and I would almost be like, oh, it's okay for them. It's okay. But when we look back, like, of course it's not. Of course they've struggled. They've had to overcome things. There have been challenges. There have been self-sabotage. There have been things in their path, but it's so easy, I think. And that that's kind of one of the downsides of social media because we only see what people show, right? Yeah. And there are a couple of things about that. That was such a great statement because there's so many things wrapped up in you just sharing your experience of that. Number one, a very common human behavior is comparing. And unfortunately, oftentimes, probably most times when we compare ourselves to other people, we conclude that somehow we have fallen a bit short or very short. So it typically does not work to our advantage to compare unless you're strategically comparing. In other words, saying what, you know, business framework or formulas or tactics or strategies is this person using that may work for me so I don't have to sort of recreate the wheel. That's a great way to use comparison, but that's not typically what we're doing. We're looking for why is this person making it so easy? Why is it happening so fast for them? And then quite quickly concluding, oh, it must be something special about them that I lack. So that's one thing. Second thing is people have to realize we all have an ego. You don't need to kill your ego. You don't need to get rid of your ego. It's not this horrifying thing. Much like everything else inside of us, you just need to manage it. When you go to stretch yourself past that upper limit, your ego will pipe up and give you all the reasons why you shouldn't do that. Why? Because it sort of wants you to live in this space that the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. So you're not safe if you stretch. This is very common universal psychological resistance to growth. And it's just something we have to learn to get past. And then the last thing is the vehicle of social media itself. Obviously, it's set up for you to see snapshots of things, but in our minds, we put the snapshots together to make an entire, you know, perfection story or overnight success story. Some people on social media are very transparent, which I really, really appreciate, but I don't think social media encourages transparency. It encourages curated images and responses. So I don't think it helps in that way. So when I find somebody online and I like you, for example, and I think, oh, I love the way he or she is talking about this very honestly and in a very well-rounded way, I really tend to lean into that because it resonates with me as not being curated and inauthentic. You know, I had a fascinating conversation with a client a few years ago. We were working on her visibility strategy and she said something about me always being on Instagram. And I was like, hmm, let's dive into that a bit further. And I spend five minutes a day, maybe maybe 10 on a day that I post a few more stories on Instagram. And she's like, but I feel like you're always on there. And I said, but that's because maybe every time you check, there's a new story or a new mm -hmm. post. And her brain had totally made that connection that I am always on Instagram. She's thinking I'm spending 12 hours a day on there or something. I said, literally five minutes. 
like I post my posts and respond to messages and, and go. But but in our minds, like you say, what we see, she's pieced together these snapshots to be like, because there's always new content from me when she checks in, she's like, oh, you're always on there. Correct. And that's the brain will try to do that, right? It tries to put the pieces together so that things are simpler for us to digest. And sometimes the way it puts the pieces of the story together is inaccurate, but it makes it easy to then conclude, oh, Emily's is always on because every time the language is always never, you know, yeah, that's every why. time. It's right because it's easier for the brain, energetically speaking, it's easier for your brain to process always and never versus slow down and have some critical thinking about what's going on. And so that Instagram, for example, th that's meant to leave you with that impression. But how many people are stopping and having that moment like you gave her to go, oh, actually, what's really going on here? So unless you know to do that or your coach or consultant is asking you a really good question like the one you asked her, you're probably not going to come to that conclusion on your own. It's so true, isn't it? Because our brain isn't going, hmm, let me just look for the nuance and the context in this situation. Love living in the gray and having to yes. figure things out. That's my favorite said no one ever. Yes. It's so true. It's so true. So this, you know, we could really dive into how the brain works and I'm fascinated with psychology too. However, in terms of self-sabotage, how is the brain working? So when people are in this state where you know, they physically sometimes feel they can't take action or they quite often what I see with clients and what I've seen with myself is, you know what you need to do. And oh, the yes. things you need to do are actually quite simple, but they feel like scaling a mountain because your brain is going, uh, 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 uh. I don't think so. Yeah. That is beautifully described. Honestly, the number one phrase that my ideal clients say to me is, how can I know better and continue not to do better? How is it that basically they're acknowledged? I work with very intelligent people. They're, they're very smart. Many of them are very well educated. How can I be this smart and continue to do the same thing over and over that brings me nothing but misery? And really that is, that's what we're talking about here because intellect does not solve all of our problems. And unfortunately in, in a lot of cultures, really, IQ and intellect is treated like it's king. And it, it'd be great if it solved everything and it solves a lot of things, but it doesn't solve everything. So there's two other things really at play here. Number one is your brain wiring, for lack of a better word. The way your brain cells are grouped together and communicate together. So you have to realize today, the way your brain is wired is not for what you want tomorrow. It's for what has already happened, thoughts that you've already had a gazillion times over. Most of our thoughts each day are repeats of thoughts we've been having forever. And it's also wired to support a lot of the beliefs you have both consciously and subconsciously. So the reason it feels quote unquote hard is because when you start thinking different thoughts, you think about a different goal, building your team, raising your prices, marketing in a new or different way, putting a different offer out there, slowing down, God forbid we slow down ever. Your brain is not wired to support the communication of that thought between the cells 
with simplicity quickly, easily. It's probably wired for the things that you're already doing in business and elsewhere. So you haven't created a neural network that supports where you're going yet. So it's a desire. You can envision it. You can have all kinds of great feelings about it or even mixed feelings about it, which most of us do. But the network that supports you having the thought over and over and over and over that I already have that, I already am that, this is my normal, that doesn't exist yet. So that's one of the reasons why things feel hard. The second reason is because of psychological and emotional resistance. So anything that triggers us not feeling safe in some way, and you might not know that in the moment, it's not like when your child goes to run out in the street in front of a car, it's not that kind of safety. So in the moment, it might just feel like a pause or some anxiety or some worry, perseveration. There's lots of ways it shows up. It's not always full-blown panic. But, you know, we are psychologically wired for safety, for survival. So anytime a stretch triggers in us a feeling that, oh, that might put me in harm's way in some way, you're going to feel, oof, maybe I shouldn't, maybe I can't, maybe I catastrophic thinking. The number of times people have laughed when I said, how many times have you thought that you're going to do this and then you're going to lose your house, your car, and you and your family are going to live in a cardboard box on the street. And everybody laughs because we've all had some version of that thought. We just don't admit it all that often. That's Those two things put together, the psyche and the brain, are the reason why we hit these upper limits. And it's also the reason why we will often sabotage ourselves because it's easier to stay where you are, even if you're frustrated about it, than it is to stretch into a zone that feels unsafe. I love that because, you know, we see over and over again, people are unhappy, but they're comfortable and they can sit and be comfortable in their unhappiness. Absolutely. And I, I called a client out on this because she was happy that someone else felt like her. It made her feel better. And I was like, hmm. Yes. That validation is very, very powerful, but very. we use it in a way that really supports a victimhood story or supports the I can't, I shouldn't. All of those stories that are don't really serve us all that well in most situations. I'm not saying don't use your all your forms of wisdom to assess risk and if there is an actual safety threat to you. But a lot of the times when it comes to business, it's stories we're telling ourselves or rationalizing things so that we don't stretch out of that zone. And you are absolutely correct. You can become very habituated to being unhappy, unsatisfied, or not living into your dreams and your potential, without question. So for anyone listening that, I guess if everyone listening that is resonating with this, because as you say, there's, there's no one that hasn't felt this at some point. And there's you know very likely people listening now that are going through this at the moment. Where is the balance? Where do you suggest that they take that action without completely going into, you know, fight, flight or freeze because they've triggered themselves so much or put so much pressure on themselves. I always feel like it's really cyclical. It's like taking the action makes us feel a little bit safer, but then we want to feel safe enough to take the action, right? Mm -hmm. 
So I think there's a couple of things. Number one, for a lot of people who are either high fact finders or just interested in understanding your inner workings a little bit better, I think a bit of learning and education so that you can kind of frame what's going on with you and normalize it. That's the thing. We are so prone to shame. We are so prone to self-criticism that a bit of normalization through learning and understanding about what's going on with you can really go a long way. So all of my clients are required to read The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. And I would recommend every one of your listeners read it at least twice. Um, that will give you a really great basic understanding of what's going on in a, in a very humanizing way that just, it helps you have the concept, but it also helps you feel, oh, wait, this isn't something broken about me or abnormal about me. This happens to everyone. And there are very good reasons why it also gives you ways to start to step out of that. So I would say that that's step number one is just a little bit of framing and learning and understanding for normalization. Number two is is this, and this is a shameless plug for myself and people who do what I do. I think one of the biggest mistakes I see in entrepreneurship is an overinvestment in strategic coaching and consulting and an underinvestment in what we used to call personal development, which I is it's just sort of fluffy. It's really strategic leadership development. And I see too many people focused on the tactical part of starting and growing a business, not understanding that the business needs you to lead it in different ways at different phases. So if you can't self-manage emotions, thoughts, fears, resistances, decisions, habits, things like that. How on earth are you going to lead a team and a business? So the second part of this is invest in having someone help you do this work because we, while we are all experts on ourselves, we are not all experts on the brain, the psyche, and behavior change. And that's really what you're trying to overcome. The number of people I've had say to me, my consultant or coach helped me build out this beautiful strategic marketing plan. Can't get myself to do it. Not because your business coach wasn't amazing and it's not because you're not amazing. It's because nobody taught you how to overcome resistance. Very simple. The third thing is that know thyself. There are people who are like myself, and this comes from the Colby A assessment. That's where this language comes from. But I am a nine quick start. I am fast action. I am gut-based decision maker. I go and I need a team who keeps the hot air balloon from floating away into the ether. So I built a team who knows how to support a quick start. If you are a fact finder and you tend to drag your feet... You need other quick start energy people around you to get you moving through these things. This really, and I don't care how you come to understand yourself, but when you know the tendencies that serve you and you know the, the tendencies that slow you down, surrounding yourself with whether it's your team or a coach or a mastermind or some, you know, a peer group, whatever that helps you to have that harmony right? Between sitting back and thinking and analyzing and getting into action, that's where you're going to get the best out of yourself. And also, let's just honor the fact we can't be terribly objective about ourselves all the time. 
So as a therapist, I, I could not heal my own self, right? The surgeon's not going to do surgery on herself. So it's very helpful to be surrounded by other people with your best interests at heart who can also gently say to you, do you realize that this is something you've been saying or doing or because you may not know at all or realize that pattern at all. So those are three very straightforward, simple things that I think when combined together really can create some forward momentum. Two things you said there that I love. Firstly, the benefit of long-term mentorship. A lot of my clients have been with me, some of them over two years now. Mm -hmm. And I think in the online space, there is this quick churn of you know, short programs. And that's great for certain aspects. It's like really great strategy or maybe energy, but actually having someone that has seen you repeat a pattern numerous times or knows that your defaults can be really powerful because it helps you get back on track really quickly. Because if someone can just reflect and say, look, this is like the time that this happened before, it kind of neutralizes it. And you're like, oh yeah, so it is, you know, rather than, than spinning out of control. It does. Um, so I love that you said that. And secondly, don't build a team with people like yourself. That's, no, please don't. That's what everyone wants to do. They're like, I could just find a clone of myself to do that. And you're like, no, 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 no. Worst idea ever. <laughs> Listen, I, and I joke about this all the time. My team, I call them the quick start cleanup crew because quick starts, this is what we do. We have an idea and we're already off and running before we've communicated it to anybody. And while I am very self-aware and I, I've, you know, built a lot of systems to manage that so my business doesn't crumble, it is, it would not run as smoothly as it does if I didn't have the team that I have. They are for sure the, I try to sing them, but the unsung heroes of my success story, I try to tell them every day. And and same for the reverse. If you're much more of a fact finder and you can't seem to get things off the ground and running and moving, you need somebody behind you giving you a little kick saying like, let's go. We have enough information. Let's implement and take some action. So I love quick starts. I love quick start energy, but not on my team. No, we would just sit around and come up with fabulous ideas all day and nothing would get done. Totally. I love that. Before we begin to wrap up, I would love to circle back to one of the first things that we talked about, because I would love your take on this, and then I'm happy to share mine, and let's see if we align. But self-sabotage versus something just being out of alignment and not right for that person. Like, I'm happy to share my experience on this and what I've seen in clients, but what is your take on this? How how do we differentiate? How do we know which one it is? So for me, the simplest way to explore this with clients is A, making sure that they have a very clear personal value statement and business value statement. I had a a coach that referred to it as your business DNA statement. And so if you're not yet explicitly clear on your values, That is step number one, sit down and get them written out, well-defined. They're everywhere for me, from my website to job descriptions. They are baked into everything. And alignment is about things like integrity. Am I making decisions in alignment with both my stated goals and dreams, but my values as well? And if the answer is no, it's very simple to know that you're out of alignment. 
Now, could you be out of alignment because you're sabotaging yourself? Of course, absolutely. Because if you're making fear-based decisions, that's not really going to get you where you need to go. So that's both out of alignment if, say, for example, being being brave, a brave leader with a brave business. So if that's one of your values, then fear-based decisions are both out of alignment and self-sabotaging. The thing that concerns me that I see especially in the online space, is a lot of overstating of, oh, you're just either out of alignment or you're just sabotaging yourself. And not a lot of critical assessment of, is it one, the other, or both? And more importantly, what are you getting out of that? Human beings do not behave in the ways that we do for no reason. It might not make sense because you might observe that there's a lot of negativity coming back to you because of your behavior. But I guarantee if you're doing that over and over, you are getting some sort of emotional payoff for that, whether you recognize it or not. And that is not a blame statement. That's the way we work. Those are humans. So it's really important to be able to get to the core of what you're doing, but more importantly, why and how is this creating a feedback loop that is keeping you feel you're not stuck, but you may feel stuck or you may be, you know, creating a a cycle over and over. How do you feel about that? So from an emotional point of view, for me, I've been here enough times now that I can take action when something's out of alignment, Mm -hmm. but it feels a bit meh. It doesn't feel joyful. It feels heavy. It starts, or I'll do it for a while. And it's like, oh, like I just don't love this. Self sabotage, it tends to be, no, don't want to do that. And I see this in class. It's almost an instant before their brain has even had time to consider it. Like I could say to someone, what about doing a live stream about that? Like, no, no. And, and it's like, oh, whereas someone going, yeah, okay, I could do that. And then maybe, like putting it off and putting it off and not quite doing it. And then they like, oh, it just feels really, it's like, okay, that could be more of an alignment issue or time management or various other things. But the the self-sabotage that I have, you know, seen myself and that I've observed in class, it quite often is that, like you say, it's that emotional trigger of like, whoa, no, straight away. Yeah. I think it just, if I could respond to that, to take it one layer deeper, I think And this is another thing that becomes clear when you have a longer term relationship with a client and their business. I am a very, I am very quick to make decisions. I'm a very decisive person. And it could look very easily like it's, oh, I'm triggered and just made a snap decision. For me, I am a really a gut based decision maker. I will always consult my intellect, but my gut lets me know all the time, yes or no. And because I I really do make it a priority to be very tuned into myself, making decisions quickly and in an aligned way has to do with consulting my gut. I think you'll know the difference with your clients if you've known them long enough, right? So somebody who works with me knows I'm very clear about my values. I'm very clear about my boundaries. I So making decisions, it's pretty easy for me unless I'm missing a piece of knowledge that's really core to making the decision. Whereas somebody else might be saying no quickly because of a fear, a resistance, an anxiety, a bad past experience. 
And that's where really knowing somebody allows you to have a rich experience and deconstruct what is that really all about? Where is that coming from? Or just even reflecting back to the person, that was a really quick decision. Is that coming from clarity or is that coming from you're feeling a little triggered? So I I love that you said that and we can expand on it based on our depth of relationships. Totally. And so often for me, if I feel that instant no, because, you know, self-awareness now, I'll be like, hmm, why, why did I say no to that so yes. quickly? Or is there more to it? And I always find if there's a because then I'm thinking, oh, this might be an upper limit thing. Like, mm. no, I'm not doing that because people might or because it would yes. exhaust me. I'm like, oh, okay, this is, now my brain's gone wild because it's not used to this and it doesn't know what may or may not happen as a result of this, right? You know what I love about what you just said so, so much? I don't know if you recognize this about yourself, but one of the things I'm always encouraging my clients to develop is this sense of curiosity about your own thoughts, feelings, and behaviors versus what we typically do, which is critical or judgmental of what we're doing. So the way you just described that is this inner dialogue that is more curious than judgmental. And that's how you really get to a clear answer and a much deeper sense of self-knowing and self-awareness and also confidence comes from that as well, is this willingness to just be curious. What is that really about? Where is that really coming from? versus what's wrong with me? Why am I doing that again? That sort of thing. That's where we really can spiral. But curiosity will always lead you to opportunities for growth. And so I love just in your telling of that, I could hear in your voice, there was real curiosity about, oh, where did that come from? And that is the way to go. I've always been nosy. And obviously it it serves me in this It's working to your advantage. It is. It is. I found my stride. I love all of that. Thank you so much for coming and sharing that and just having a really fluid and open conversation. I have two more questions to ask before we wrap up. I think I'm going to... And also, can, can I just tell the audience... I do not know these questions. Don't know the questions. This is so great. I love that. It's so fun. I think I know what the answer to the first one may be. Okay. If you had to recommend one book to people listening that has had the biggest impact either on your journey or you think could have a big impact on someone with an upper limit problem, which book would you recommend? The Big Leap. Absolutely. Hands down without question, closely followed by the biology of belief. So if you want to, like I say, nerd out a little bit more on understanding what's going on between the interaction between your brain and your mind, that's an excellent science-based read. Perfect. We will pop those in the show notes. And lastly, from your own perspective and your own experiences, what is the biggest reframe in your mindset or the biggest you know reframe in your thoughts that you have had that have really helped you on your entrepreneurial journey? It's such a great question. And it's not hard to answer because I can't come up with one. It's hard to answer because I can come up with 10. <laughs> but what I will say is I grew up in a family that had money. And yet I grew up with immense upper limits and real fears about money. I grew up with a lot of very negative associations and connotations about money. And so the most powerful thing I did for myself 
was really deep, intensive retraining of my conditioning around what money is, what money does, what money does not do, what it means, and how it is related or not related to my definition of success. Perfect. Who could not benefit from more money mindset work? I I feel very much like it's like self-sabotage. It's like you get to another level or something else comes up and it's just like the gift that keeps on giving. So thank you so much. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for chatting with me. And it's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, thank you so much for having me and for sharing this with your audience. I really, really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Ambitious Introvert Podcast with me, Emma Louise Parks. If you enjoy this show, please, please subscribe, rate, and leave a review on iTunes. As a thank you, one lucky reviewer each month will win a 60-minute one-on-one coaching session with me, where you'll get the clarity and confidence to attract your ideal clients. And if you know someone who could benefit from listening to the show, then please do share and help me reach as many fellow ambitious introverts as possible.